just to say from my point of view, what a joy um, the 21 days of prayer have been. Uh, this is the 21st day and I look back with real thankfulness because of what God has been doing in me and what I've seen of the hearts of people who want to go deeper, want to go further, want to go higher. It's just been wonderful. And uh, it was great last Thursday, Thursday just gone, our final meeting. It was standing room only. I don't know, I've been at a prayer meeting at LGC or ACC where it was standing room only. And what I loved about it was no one really had much chance to pray out because it was a bit like the Acts 4 thing, if I can say that. They lift their voice as one. Right? And, and it was just an hour and a half of praise, an hour and a half of ministry. And I'm just so thankful for the cry that I've seen in your hearts and how you've longed to go deeper and to go further into what God um, has got for us and for, and, for, and for individually and for us as a church. I just love being together. When you get a lot of people together to pray, it creates, it has, when you give two people, it's great. When it's one person, it's good. When it's two or more, there's a dynamic that the Holy Spirit weaves into things. And he can weave it through people and it can just be glorious. And the times when we were together with, you know, ten or more, it's just, just you know, I just think we don't need to pray, for, almost, we don't need to pray for anything. We just need to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying and we get on the back of that and we go with it. And... Uh, so it's just been really wonderful and I'm really thankful for everybody taking the time. I'm thankful for the provision of that room in Moulton. Um, it was great to have a base to go to, even for me, a base where I could just be and, and walk around and pace around. And I'm thankful for that. We spent a week praying for wisdom. We need wisdom, don't we? And, um, and that was good to do that. Um, and just, just want to highlight a few things that I felt what God said, and it would just really stayed with me. Others will have other things that they want to say. But one thing that came the first Monday was we need this revelation that he is worthy of it all. He's worthy of it all. And for him, the dregs or the fag ends, do you know what I mean? So the end of, that's not enough for God really, is it? Do you, do you see what I mean? We, he's, he's worthy of it all. And uh, one of the things about wisdom, you read in the book of Solomon, you read uh, through the, the narratives of that, it's, wisdom is aligned with creativity, which is partnered with excellence. Wisdom, who is Jesus Christ, is wisdom. He was there at the beginning like a master craftsman. And there is excellence. Where God's wisdom is, there is excellence. Uh, it can't be anything else. And I think we need to ask ourselves what God spoke to me. And this is, you know, I'm, I'm not a detail person, as you, many of you will know. I'm not a detail person. I kind of see bigger things or whatever, I don't know. Um, but for you in your teams, for you in your ministry, for you in your work, what does it mean to be excellent? What does it mean to be excellent? For the worship band, what does it mean to be excellent? We're not going to sound like Hillsong or Bethel right now, are we? I don't think we are. We, have, we are better, thank you. There's a Hillsong man over there. Uh, Sound-wise, because we haven't got the depth of instrument, the number of voices, but what does it mean for us as a worship team? What does excellence look like? 
for the COGS team, for the Christ team. What does it mean to be excellent? What does it mean to say, what I'm doing right now is an expression of the fact that he's worthy of it all? And I think it's so easy to look forward to what we want to be, isn't it? It's what we want to become and not realise, actually right now, are we doing the very best with what we have? Um, We also prayed for wisdom to know how and where we engage with darkness. I spoke a couple of weeks before we began from Psalm 86, I think it was, when David said, take me to Edom. Who will take me to Edom so he could fight? Not free from the battle to safety, but engage in the battle. And the realisation earlier on, early on in the, in the week, that our room number, F36, was the same name as one of the major drug gangs that operates in the east side of town, I think was a bit of a revelation for us. And I think God wants us to engage with darkness. He wants his whole church to engage with darkness. That's what we're here for, is to push back the darkness. I love being in church in this beautiful room and with great friends and, and singing. But the point is, the encounter leads to the demonstration of the power of God. Amen? How do we engage with darkness? We want God to show us. We thank God for all that Barbara does. Barbara engages with darkness. And that's not, dec- that's not a label on the people, is it? You understand? But it's pushing back the kingdom of darkness and filling the vacuum with the kingdom of God. That's what we want to be about. We, want to be about. we prayed for freedom from anxiety and fear of failure because anxiety kills creativity that wisdom breeds. There was a word given in the first week which I thought was really interesting and powerful, of, of a tree, like an elder tree, where, where you expect the branches to grow, it, there's nothing growing. And, um, but right on top, there were green shoots growing from a different place where you didn't expect them to grow. And, um, and I think what we prayed for was wisdom to, to, to build where the green, show, green shoots are growing. And the idea that growth may not look like we expect it to look. We have to be brave to realise that maybe the way we've always done things is not the way we always have to do things. And when you're not like me, I've grown, up in a, one, I've grown up in one church all my life. I've only ever been in one church. Well, I was in a church when I was four in Yorkshire. I grew up. But this is all I can remember here. And you get used to doing things a certain way. This is what church looks like. This is what revival looks like. This is what Holy Spirit breaking out looks like. And the privileges of going around different places and seeing God move by the power of his Holy Spirit. And they do things wrong. (laughs) They don't do it right. They've got different theology to me. They've got different understanding of the Holy Spirit to me. But you know what? People are getting saved, healed, delivered, baptised. We need to have the courage to realise just because we've always thought it would be done that way and because we've always done it that way, we've got to look, what is God doing and where do we invest in that? We prayed for strength, didn't we? And that strength not only um, as a church but also in our hearts, both internally and structurally for us as a church. And, you know, what is obvious um, to everybody since losing Jane is that 
we've lost strength. And since losing Victor, we've lost strength. And right now, I stand before you and it's kind of just me. We need to change that in terms of leadership. I thank God that we have people around me who are real strengths to me. They're real, they help me, they pray for me, they support me, they plan with me. But it's really important that we build a team of leaders or elders that carry the responsibility for the work. I'm not Superman, nearly, <laughs> but not yet. Okay? And we need God to bring those strengths in. One of the great times we had was Saturday morning, I think it was, when we were praying over breakfast. Only, only maybe four or five of us there. Um, but Viv brought a story that, I think it was Saturday morning, I can't remember. It was, it was 21 days, I can't remember. Um, it really, really impacted us. She was telling us that she went to a shop, Tesco's or something, anyway. And she loves daffodils. Loves daffodils. And she saw this bunch, big bunch of out-of-date, dying kind of daffodils that were cheap. How many of us go to Tesco's at the right time looking for the cheap stuff? It's a gift. It's an art. You need a word of knowledge, don't you, when to go down to get a nice chicken that's only a pound. Anyway, um, and she thought, Viv thought, Viv thought, if I buy all of them, then there's a chance that some of them will survive and I'll end up with a beautiful display of daffodils. And, uh, and they were cheap, so why not? To Viv's great joy, all of them bloomed. All of them bloomed. And she ended up with this massive display of beautiful yellow. Are daffodils yellow? Yellow <laughs> daffodils. Sorry. And she said, the thing is, not all of them came at once. Some of them, they came straight away. Others came later. And it was a really simple story. But I think it really impacted us that morning. There are people in this church that we think they'll, they, they won't be anything that we think is significant, but God is going to make them bloom for his glory. Some of them are late bloomers. We prayed for the late bloomers. Those that should be here right now but aren't. And some of those people may not even be in this church yet. God wants to add strength, especially around people Maybe, you know, we need, we, need, we need every generation of the church in leadership, don't we? We need older people. We need middle-aged people. We need young people like me. We need even younger than me. We need men and we need women leading in his church, right? But we, I think we especially need younger people to come up to take the future of the church forward. And we're going to keep praying for that because God has said, I have late bloomers and I have other bloomers that sounds weird, to come in to the church to strengthen us. We need all of the fivefold gifts in our church. We thank God for the prophetic in our church, amen? Yeah? We thank God for the teaching gifts. We thank God for the pastoral gifts. We need them and we need more. We need apostolic gifts in the church. I think it's Paul Manwaring says, if you haven't got an apostle in your church, get one in your life. We need apostolic figures. We need people above me as well, don't we? that I'm accountable to. We need connections that, that help us to build the model that God has given us to build. All of these things we are going to continue to pray for. But that word that, that morning really encouraged me. God is going to build and people are going to bloom. Amen? Amen, 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 amen. We prayed for a building that God would guide us and build us ready as a people to fill the building. We thank God for Western Favour Primary 
but we want a base from which we can impact the kingdom. I don't know how or when this will happen. I have been looking more this week at buildings, just because we've been praying for a building. And there's some options. Um, I don't know if any of them are what God is leading us to. But we need to be ready to go when he calls. We need to be ready to go when he calls. We were praying Wednesday afternoon. I think it was last week. It was last week. And, um, and I, we were really moved to pray for faith and courage to step out when he calls. We need faith and courage to step out when he calls. I think Cara was there and she really picked up on this and really prayed with conviction that, that we won't be afraid to move out when he called. And then immediately I... I, I, um, this won't make sense at first, but go, bear with me. Uh, my phone tingalinged, and I got a tweet. Uh, I follow Chris Vallotton, Chris Vallotton's tweets, and he sends things out every now and then. And, uh, and it went on my phone. I thought I was supposed to be praying, but I'll have a look. And he put a quote by that great theologian, um, Winston Churchill. And uh, the quote was, uh, was this, if we can see it. Um, Success is the ability to go from one failure to another with no loss of enthusiasm. I think that spoke to me because I've shared with a few people that the Pierce House thing impacted me big. Maybe bigger than I've let on. I, it's really hard, isn't it, coming to terms with the fact that we don't understand certain things. Is you, am I the only one that finds that hard? Sometimes you have to let go and say, I don't get it. Yeah? And I, Pierce House, I don't get it. And, I, and I've struggled, personally, I'm being very honest here, I've struggled to let go because of hearing God speak so clearly, what seems so clearly, and then it just goes. And even though I'm holding on to, okay, God can turn this around, God can do anything, he can do anything, and he can still do anything. It might be now, it might be five years, it might be ten years, I can hear Jane now saying, Dave, keep believing. Ten years. It could take ten years. It could take ten years. You know, I don't, and I, and God, and that helped me just in that moment to say, it looked like a failure. It wasn't a failure because we obeyed God, right? We followed him. But when it comes to going again, are we, am I, (laughs) going to have the courage to believe God is speaking? Right? When God comes to call with our next move, we need the strength to believe we're going to go for what God has given us. And the money isn't an issue. The size isn't an issue. God has got all that. But when he calls, we have to go. Amen? And we will go with the same enthusiasm that we went before. Once bitten, twice shy. Right? When God is calling, we don't go by that. We go because he has called us. Amen? So I ask you to pray for me. Right? And pray for all those who will be involved in that kind of decision. But that tickled me just as we were praying for faith to move forward. We have to let go of the things we don't understand. And move forward when he moves forward. There's so much I could say, so much else I could say about, I love the 24 hours of prayer. I thought that was wonderful. I love the fact, you know, just messaging everybody for their slot with something that God put on my heart. The words I got back from people, just so encouraging, so so full of joy, so full of happiness, so I met with God, this is what God said to me, I gave my time and God spoke to me, that was just really wonderful. I love the fact that we were reading through um, John together as well, 
Um, I thought that was really cool. It was great to come together and hear everybody saying, oh, I read this this morning. I read this. God spoke to me here. It was just wonderful to spend 21 days with Jesus in the Gospel of John. Um, Marvellous. Cheers. Yeah. Let me really quickly share what the thing that really impacted me as I read through John. Um, Simple verse. Uh, I'm just going to share this and then we're going to um, listen to something if we've got time. Um, But John 17, 26 really spoke to me and I put it out on one of the messages I sent out, I think. Um, But... Jesus said this, I have made you known to them. This is Jesus praying to the Father. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them. And that I myself may be in them. Wonderful words from the Master. These words in John 17, they come at the end about four chapters. If you've got a red letter Bible, you'll see the four chapters leading up to John 17. It's nearly all red. It's Jesus speaking, speaking, speaking. Starting from saying, I am the way, the truth and the life. Talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit. Then he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Abide in me. Then he would say, the world will hate you, but their grief would turn to joy. And then he comes to this prayer where he prays for himself. Then he prays for his disciples. Then he prays for you and I. You know, he's praying then for you and I. All those who would come after the disciples, that's you and I. And he ends this great speech, as it were. And I I don't know whether he said all this at one go or whether John was, you know, he put it together. I don't know. But he ends with this verse. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. Chapter 18 goes on to talk about the crucifixion. These are the last words of that great peroration that Jesus gave. Do you realise this is why he came to you? Do you realise this is why he came into your life? Do you realise it's why he's still in your life? To reveal the Father to you. To reveal the Father heart of God to you. Not only once at salvation, but continually revealing the heart of the Father. It says really quickly three things. Jesus made him, the Father, known to us. We are here, we are Christians, we are his followers because Jesus came and revealed the Father to us. We have become familiar with a father who is not harsh or overbearing or wrathfully judgmental towards us. There is a time when he will once more display his wrathful judgment. He's coming to do that. But for now, the door to the ark is open and now is the day of salvation. And he's showing us his love. He's showing us his kindness. He's showing us his mercy. He's showing us that he wants to be with us, that he wants to commune with us. Our starting point for everything we will do in the coming year and beyond has to be here. 
our identity as sons and daughters of the living God. That is who we are. That is who we are. Sons and daughters of God. Everything has to start there. Everything we do has to start there. We're no longer orphans. We need to stop living like orphans. We are his forever. If we start or try to build from any other perspective, we will be frustrated and dissatisfied all of our lives. Life will be one long drag of trying to prove ourselves, of trying to overcome our failures, or trying to get rid of our past experiences. Unless we know who we are in Christ, we will live our lives trying to deal with the past. But this is who we are. We're sons and daughters of the living God. If we build on anything else from that, everything we do will be an attempt to put a bandage on an, put a plaster on an open wound. We begin where he began, knowing who we are and who he has made us. He's revealed the Father to us. Hallelujah. You're a son this morning. You're a daughter. You don't have to do anything, prove anything, become anything else. You are a son and a daughter. Hallelujah. Do you believe it this morning? Identify the areas of your life where you're not living like a son or a daughter. You're still living like an orphan. Still trying to get people's approval. Still trying to prove yourself to other people. What does that say? It says, I'm still an orphan. Father, I repent and I surrender that to you because you have dealt with it. Hallelujah. But it's not a one-off thing, you know. Jesus said, I've revealed him to you, but I will continue to make you known. Jesus lives by the Holy Spirit in you to continue making known the Father's heart to you. We don't just stop at a one-time experience. It's a journey to discover increasingly who we are in him. You know, I look out and I see people here who for the last five years have been transformed by the message of the Father's love for them. I can see it. But those same people are not happy to settle. They want more. I want to know more. I want to know more. I want to know more of the Father's heart. I want to be more transformed to be like him. I want to have that deep down, uh, ongoing revelation of who I, who I am. And what I've loved about the last 21 days is not the fact that we prayed Time praying or asking God for things, all those things are important. What I've loved is experiencing the presence of God because in that time we're encountering his love and that is the primary call of God upon us. Not to do great exploits or have mega testimonies. They'll come on their own. Just leave them, they'll come. What, what Richard and Leah did in that one girl for one week, there was no mega testimony there was no huge, huge exploit. It was one faithful, quiet little thing happened. And you may never have known what happened to Fionn, will you? What happened? It'll take care of itself. We don't need to go after the mega testimonies. Just do the simple things well. I really, really believe that's an important message for us in 2020. Do the simple things really well. Do the things God has given you to do really well. And let him take care of everything else. Uh, I think it was Kara again put up, sorry, uh, Elijah, the next image. I think Kara put this image on Facebook. Not that one, no, that's later. 
That's a treat at the end. That's the one. The whole, this is Danny Silk. The Holy Spirit's job is not to control us, but to remind us who we are, who he is, and what he can do in us. This is a model for how we help others. I really like that. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's in us to do powerful things and exploits, but he's there to bear fruit. It's the fruit of a life lived with the Father to remind us who we are in God. I really believe God is calling us to keep pursuing the Father heart of God. It's really, it's, it's really hard to be on fire for God if you're coal on your own. Do you understand that? Some people are saying, I'm not excited by God. I'm not, you know, these 21 days, they've just, what 21 days? There might be people that say, what 21 days? I was there. You know, I understand. But it's really hard to be on fire when you're a coal on your own. I think God is calling us together to keep pursuing the presence of God. And for 2020, I want that to be our number one goal. We're going to pursue the presence of God. To come into the presence of God once a week it's really hard. And some of you that come, you're so busy doing stuff, so busy serving on the worship team or the crash team, whatever. You know, once a week is great to come together, but you know, we're going to pray every week. We're going to pray in every other week like we have for a long time. The men are going to meet tomorrow night and we're going to be t- spend time together getting hot <laughs> because we're going to be coals together. Yeah. You can't do, you can do, stop it Dan, you can do things on your own. Of course you can, you can, you need a prayer life. You need a prayer life, but to come together with your family, to experience the presence of God. If you've never been on a, on a, on a Monday night, guys, come along, join us, just come. You may have been once, although you want any good. That's fair enough. I come here most Sundays and wonder if it's any good. Sometimes it's not great. That's Okay. You know, maybe your last holiday wasn't great, but you're not going to stop having holidays, are you? Are you? Come and get with other men. Join Leah on a Tuesday, every other Tuesday. We've got to come together to experience the Father's heart. And we're going to grow hotter together because we're coals together that burn for his glory. It begins with our understanding of our identity in him. But we move forward on train tracks of intentionality. We have to be intentional about gathering and meeting and going after the Father. And that's what most of us, many of us, have done this 21 days. We're going after God. We're going after him. And we're going after him together. This is how we're going to move forward together. Hallelujah. Amen. Finally, this verse, if we can switch back to that verse, Elijah, thank you. We see that Jesus not only makes known and not only continues to make known the Father, but it's not just for fun or for fine feelings or that, you know, we can get all the good things we can get out of God. It is so his love and indeed Jesus himself can can more and more occupy our lives. We become more him than we become ourselves. Then we, then we begin to make known who the Father is. Not only is the Father being made known to us, but the more the love of God, the more the presence of Jesus gets inside us, the more we cannot help but make known who the Father is. 
This is back to our, our heart of our vision, to encounter and demonstrate. We have to encounter the presence, Father's heart in the presence of God and then filled up with the love of Jesus, we demonstrate. That's what we've got to do. It's quite simple, but it seems to be such a challenge for me and for many of us. But this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives, in our hearts. He wants to shine out of me. He wants to shine out of you. God is moving. And he's moving in response to prayer. I've got some video, the video that Leah put up from Peter Gregg. That it's, it's, it's just, he was speaking at London School of Theology. And just talking about, he was talking about how to pray. It's really good, if you get a chance to watch it. But you know, God is moving already. And he's moving in response to prayer. Right? And it's the prayer that does stuff. Not just the prayer that does stuff for me, which is good. It's the prayer that does stuff in the earth. Right? Let's watch this. It's about five minutes. Go ahead. You may have seen the report. Uh, the latest research coming in from YouGov, commissioned not by Christians, but by secular agencies, has discovered that in this country, atheism is declining at a rate of 2 to 3% per annum and has been for three years. It's not what you're finding out. It's not the vibe you're getting from the BBC, right? They sort of give the impression that atheism is kind of, for anyone, vaguely cool and intelligent, and it's in revival. Listen, if the church was declining at a rate of 2 to 3% per annum, we would be in deep, deep, deep crisis. Uh, that's, uh, so that's the YouGov's research. The same piece of research discovered that the church in this nation is growing. Uh, we've known that it's growing um, in London for at least seven years. It's been growing ahead of the population curve. Um, uh, at the start, they said, oh, it's just because of the black majority church. Well, that is a big story. I had uh, lunch last week with Pastor Agu, the head of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. Uh, they planted in London 25 years ago with 30 people. That church is now 3,000. Uh, when the general convener, uh, uh, um, so the general overseer, arrives in London, uh, uh, they have 40,000 people praying at the Excel Center. Uh, that church has now planted there 823 redeemed Christian Church of God in 25 years in this nation. So before we just go, it's just a black majority church. Let's just dare to say hallelujah and maybe we've got something to learn. But they now know it's actually bigger than just the black majority church because, as I say, the church is growing in London ahead of population curve. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's, you know, sometimes people say the church is growing, but actually the population is growing faster, so it's not actually. But this is growing ahead. In other words, every year there are more Christians, a high percentage of Christians in this nation's capital than there was the year before, and that's been happening for almost a decade. But what the latest research has discovered, because we've known that for a while, is that uh, the church, that growth is now spreading out to all the major cities. Uh, we're seeing it right throughout. I've just been touring the nation everywhere. Just an extraordinary increase in Christian unity. 
all the major traditions and denominations pretty much now church planting, uh, which they weren't. When I started church planting 25 years ago, I had Anglican bishops on Radio 4 telling me I was kind of a heretic for trying to plant churches. And now the church, even HTB's church, church planting is wonderful. Everyone's church planting. Vineyard's church planting. Elim's in a great state. Uh, church planting. I'm going to be with their leaders soon. Uh, come have another year for the Anglicans since we've had one for the Pentecostals. Yeah, typical. The, the Pentecostals get a hallelujah. There's a mild uh, cricket clap for the Anglicans. They, they, there you have it. It's not theological difference, it's cultural. And, um, uh, you know, I was with the leaders of New Wine Wales uh, a little while ago, and after the meeting, uh, a whole bunch of pastors were gathered in a hotel bar, and pastor after pastor from different tradition uh, were telling the same story of people coming to know Jesus in Wales, in the north, in the south, in the valleys, different traditions. Uh, these were vicars, ministers, uh, pastors, whatever terminology you use. And they were all saying people are getting saved in Wales easier than they were five years ago. And I said, that's really wonderful. Uh, the, the stories were of not just individuals coming to Christ, but entire families coming to Christ. Uh, one guy told the most beautiful story of an entire family coming to Christ outside TK Maxx, uh, one after the other. And um, you, know, you can't say it's one program, it's one personality, it's one tradition, it's across the board. I said, I hadn't realized this is happening in Wales. Uh, why is it happening? What's happening? They said, we think it's two things. Firstly, we believe that uh, you know, in Wales, we, they said we've been in auster austerity a lot longer than you. There's just massive poverty. And so if you're in some little village, you're some old mining town, you kind of know that the, the state provision is crumbling. There wasn't enough 10 years ago, but now there's even less because of all the cutbacks. They said, what people in Wales know is if anyone's going to step in and help you out when you're in trouble, it's going to be the church. It's the church running the food banks. It's the church running uh, uh, more than half of the toddler and parenting courses in the country and so on. Debt uh, provision. And they said, that's the first thing. The second thing is that people in Wales, by and large, don't go to church anymore. And that might sound like bad news, but they said, actually, what happens is you have got many, many people now who are, um, uh, they don't have religious baggage, but they know the church is good news. And so when you tell them about Jesus, they are open to him. And, uh, and so uh, as I travel around, uh, everywhere I go, I'm, I'm meeting people saying, yeah, definitely people are coming to know Jesus easier than they were. Is it everything? No, but it is definitely something. And, um, and then... Um, the nation is in crisis, clearly, and we must understand there has never been a revival, there's never been an awakening through world history that didn't come to a culture in crisis. It never comes out of the glory years, the happy years, the prosperous years, it always comes out of some form of crisis. And so we don't want crisis, but it is an opportunity. This is a good time to be at this college and training because it's going to get busy, because this is our day. And, um, and then one of the things, uh, this is obviously what I want to particularly talk about, that we're seeing is a, a vast and massive mobilization outpouring of prayer in, uh, in, in, in the nations. The, the movement of prayer that we are seeing now in the world is undoubtedly the largest mobilization of prayer in any of our lifetimes. I haven't just exaggerated, that is empirically, factually true. 
And that should get you more excited than anything anybody could possibly tell you right now. Because every single uh, revival throughout history began with a movement of prayer. And right now, we are seeing a vast global mobilization of prayer. I spoke at a prayer meeting with 3 million people in it, in Jakarta, in Indonesia. By the way, Indonesia is the fourth largest nation on earth and the largest Muslim nation on earth. Hello? Uh, and you don't even know the names of the leaders of it. You've got to understand that most of the people we think of famous Christian leaders, they are nothing. They are nobody. When you get to heaven and you find out the real story, uh, it's going to be fascinating. Uh, you know, there's a big, wide world out there. Um, we just celebrated 20 years of the 24-7 prayer movement. We're just one little part of this great... ...show you that. Because the stories aren't Bethel or... They're not these great big churches. It's like Wales. London. God is moving, but he's moving in response to prayer. And we need to keep praying. 21 days isn't enough. We need to keep praying... And we also can't just pray, we have to do as well. We can't spend our whole time in the upper room. You know, the spirit is poured out. We need to get out where Barbara is. We need to get out other places and start to do where Zoe is. We need to get out where Viv is and where Judith is. The people that are on the front line, they're the ones that are carrying Jesus into the front line. But it's got to be backed up by a movement of prayer. And we're going to keep praying. And what is the key thing of prayer for me is to be in the presence of God. And we need to be determined. And it might upset some routines. It might upset some activities that people like to get involved in. But we have to be determined to contend for the sake of the gospel. I'm not an arty person. Okay, I just want to say that. I don't, I don't understand art. I know what I like but I don't understand art. But a few days ago, I was, just, I was flicking over to, I, re, I ran through BBC Four. I quite like BBC Four. There's some good programs, documentaries. But it stopped on a couple of guys standing in front of a sculpture. And I saw this, and they said what it was, and it really caught my eye. And the image has stayed in my mind. Um, and it was a sculpture of David. Now, I'm going to show you a famous sculpture of David. Uh, the one, go back one, uh, the one, the big one, just the guy on his own. Who's that? You know who that is? That's David. Who made that? Do you know? Michelangelo, that's ill David. It's nice. I've seen it in Florence. Uh, it's nice. It's a bit rude. We survived out to crop it like that because we're in church. Uh, and, um, and it's very good, but he kind of looks like a little bit, you know, what's the word? I don't know. I don't like it. But then the next one. Next one with the two together, with the two together. This is a picture, a sculpture by Berini, and it's David throwing the sling. And, and, I, and I saw, if you can close up the next one, the close-up, I saw his face. Oh, something about that. Oh, it gets right in amongst me. The, I, compared to the other one, he's kind of like, this is the David we know, isn't it? What's he doing? He's got his eyes on the prize. He can see the one defying the armies of the living God. And he's pulling his sling back. And I think Berini, whoever he was, 17th century, has caught something 
of the contending we, the church of Jesus Christ, need to do for our world. We're going after this. There's the prize. There's the one defying the armies of the living God. And we're going, I've got to get it. And that's going to take something like that. Not only on our faces, but in our spirits. We're going to go after this. We spent 21 days in the presence of God. It's been wonderful. It's been glorious. Are we going to keep going? You know, we, had, we must have had 19 people on Thursday night praying. It was glorious. I, I loved every minute of, it, minute of it. And if you take that as a percentage of our church, then you're looking at somewhere near 25% to 30% of our church. I mean, you talk to any church leader, that's massive in a prayer meeting. All right? Massive. But when we pray on a Monday night, we pray on a Monday night, you know, we'll get four people. Now, it's not about the number of people, but I, it's not about, I want, oh, you've got to come to meetings. I've lived there all my life. You've got to be at meetings. And because there's 25 people, it means everything's great. It doesn't mean everything's great. But what do I want you to encounter the presence of God. I want you to have the ongoing infilling of the Father. And why should it only be four of us? And one of those was Jane. <laughs> and she's not here now. We'll start again the following Monday. I don't want you to come and think out of duty. I want the presence of God. I've known the Father. The Father wants to keep making himself known. Together we can experience that. We're in the presence of God. Don't worry about, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to put the right words. Listen, if you were here last Thursday, you didn't even know how to pray. In fact, I love the fact it equalizes everybody. You know what I mean? Because some people are professional prayers, aren't they? We all grew up with professional prayers. They know how to pray for five minutes and it sounds great. When everybody's praying, they don't get a chance and everybody's the same. We do have some times when people pray. It's great. Don't worry about, I don't know how to pray. It's not about how or what. It's about being in the presence of God. And I, this, this image just really got in my spirit. And I've been looking at it thinking, God, give me that attitude. I'm going after this. I know we're to... I need to stop. I know we're to rest. I understand that. We, we've rested from our labours. Okay? We're entered into his rest. We haven't got to earn anything. This is not about earning. We're entering into the rest of his love. We don't have to earn his love. But we are called to contend for the gospel. Right? And we start that, A, knowing who we are, and B, going after his presence. And we're going to continue to do that in 2020. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand together? We can remove. God, I ask you now, as we're just here for a few minutes, Father, I pray you do something in our spirits this morning. God, I, I'm not trying to persuade or guilt anybody. You know my heart on that. It's not about trying to get people to come to things. I know life is so busy and we have things that we need to do and things that we should do for our enjoyment. We should be free to enjoy activities that you've given us in this great world to enjoy. But God, you've called us. You've called us to take up our cross. You've called us to go after you, God. And Holy Spirit, we know you're waiting there right now. You're waiting there not to highlight our faults. You're waiting there to, to do the work Jesus asked you to do and to reveal more 
and more of the Father to us. And that you're waiting to occupy us more and more with your love. But not only your love, but you, Jesus, yourself. You want to occupy us. You, you want to move in with us. You want to make our lives a hundred times better than it was yesterday. All those things that we hang on to and think that we need, you want to show us there's only one thing we really need, and that is Jesus Christ. So God, I pray, Father, for every person standing here in this room, and I pray for every member of this church that is not here today. Jesus, would you stir our hearts that we, like David, would have our eyes on that prize, and our face will be set like flint, and I will say, we're going after this, Jesus. We're going after this. And the time comes when I'm tired or the time comes when I think I've, I can't do any more. I will have, I'll remember that face and I'll say, I'm going to go after this, God. This is what you've called me into. God, we spend so much and we love reflecting on your goodness and we receive it into our lives every day. Thank you for your goodness, your kindness. But God, we thank you. You are moving, Lord. We're not, we're not backing a losing horse, Father. You are already moving. Father, atheism is, is falling in our nation by 2 to 3% every year. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. People are getting saved. Churches are growing. Churches are being planted all across our nation. Father, there's prayer meetings in our world with 3 million people in them. And God, that's in a Muslim nation. Jesus, you're already moving. God, free us from this idea that we're this minority that is oppressed. God, give us wisdom when we read the newspaper, God, please. We can feed this narrative, oh, life's not fair, we're oppressed. God, your church is on the march, God. Your church is moving in this nation. Father, and where there is increased um, hostility, they're the places you're going to move in power to bring your gospel. Father, why do we get worried about it when the church in China has had this going on for, for decades and yet it's growing at hundreds of thousands a week? Jesus, help us to keep our eyes on you, Lord, and not on what we're told, God, by people. Jesus, we love you, Lord. And right now, everybody, just in your own heart, just make your response to God. I'm not going to call anybody out. I'm not going to ask for people to respond. Because some people might not want to. And you know, that's fine. I, I really don't mind. I just want, I want you to know there is an opportunity. There's an open door right now for you to step into the presence of God. And to discover the heat and the fire of his presence. And the love of the Father more and more in your life. So right now, just in your own hearts... Just respond to the Holy Spirit's prompting. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We give ourselves to you, Lord Jesus. Come. Come. I also know, you know, that there's seasons in life, right? And these 21 days have been for some people in the midst of a battle, personally, family. And you're thinking, well, you know what, I, I, I can't think about this right now. God is a father. God's a father. He's a good father. Hold on to him. Because what you gain by winning the battle you are in is going to become part of the power that moves you into more and more of his purposes. Yeah? Yeah.
Don't think, oh, I can't think about it right now. Look, just think about Jesus. Think about how he's going to hold you. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. One of the great words that we had, I think Alan mentioned it last week. I think it was Richard Lindley who said, um, God wants us to know we are not, are not, we are, are. And the church, the t- our town needs this church. Our town needs the church of Jesus Christ. We're powerful, we're important. The work you do every day, it may not be in a church ministry context, but as a teacher or as, as a social worker, as a youth worker, as as whatever it is you do as a business owner, you are Jesus for our town. Hallelujah. Father, I just pray that everyone here would just grab a hold of your heart for our town and you would give us that determination that we are going to keep going in prayer and you are going to birth things out of this prayer. We thank you for the wisdom you gave us. We thank you for the strength that you're bringing into our church. We thank you for the building you have provided for us. And Jesus, we bless you and thank you that you are moving in our nation and you're going to move through us, we pray. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.